Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to the next episode of podcast that you must have been waiting for. It seems like less than a week, and it is. It's five days since the last one that we did last Thursday, but we're back on schedule on a Tuesday in the eighth season of podcast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22, and my co-host is AJ Schultz, who's a great follow at AJ Schultz24, based in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, very close to Roto-Wire headquarters over in Madison. You know what? We're nicely into a full slate of weekly games in the new season, and we're also seeing some early surprises. I mean, you can't put too much stock in the schedule and the standings this early in the season, but there are a couple of teams and maybe a division that is uh, certainly living up to expectations for me. But I want to ask AJ, is there a team that's caught your eye, whether it's being for good or bad reasons early on that uh, you're focused on today? Yeah, I mean, obviously Minnesota um, draws draws the negative attention there. Just one, three, and one in five games to start the year. So pretty subpar start for the team as a whole. Um, Marc-Andre Fleury, obviously a huge part of that, has just not looked himself. Um, you know, looking at the the upside, uh, obviously I think the Philadelphia Flyers. 4-2-0 um, yeah. is the record there. Uh, in six games, they're looking a, a lot better than I I, I expected them to. So, um, yeah, you know, they, they've kind of powered through some injuries. John Tortorella seems to have them all pointing in the right direction here. But, uh, yeah, those would be my, my two surprises, both good and bad. Yeah, I don't expect Minnesota to struggle much longer. And certainly the John Tortorella year one situation, uh, it's probably going to be the best year that he gets out of the Flyers, I'm going to say, in his tenure. I just think his is an act that wears thin, uh, before he reaches the summit. And so the first year should be the best that they'll get. And right now it's looking good. But for me, AJ, uh, looking at the Atlantic division, I see all the teams at 500 or better. We both thought that this was going to be a very competitive division, but I don't think we saw Detroit and Buffalo out of such teams as Toronto and Tampa in the early going. That's the way it lines up right now. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of shuffling uh, as we go through this season, but it's quite interesting to see. And then Boston, too, with the injuries that they had, I'm quite surprised to see them at the top of the list. I thought that they would suffer in the early going. But if they can tread water and be in the top three and before we turn into the new year, I think uh, they're going to be uh, – a big surprise at the end of the season to finish in the top three in this division. So lots of uh, intrigue in the early going. And uh, we're going to dive right in with our look around the league. And then later on in the show, we're going to have a, a DFS segment where we take a look at both DraftKings and FanDuel choices for our listeners. So get ready to make your picks a little bit later on in the show. But AJ, I'm going to let you lead a bad lead off today and uh, talk to us about the news and notes that you see among the Anaheim Ducks. Yeah, it's really not, you know, not much too different, to be totally honest from you, than what we've seen, uh, than what we talked about on Thursday here. You know, the the Ducks are, um, you know, struggling for wins. That's kind of what we expected. There's some good news in terms of who's producing for them. Again, you know, you're getting production out of Troy Terry, Trevor Zegras, Mason Matavish, all the guys you want um, heading in the right direction. So really, it's just a matter to be honest, of kind of getting through this season, right? Letting those guys develop, kind of mature a little bit in their games. And then, um, you know, really long-term, if, if you're an Anaheim Ducks fan, um, it's looking ahead to, to the future. I know that seems brutal to say at the start of the year, but um, it's reflective in their record, 1-4-1, and one, as, I, as I said. And so, um, obviously, the concern, too, is the goal differential, minus 14, 
Uh, it's one of the worst ones in the league, if not the worst. Let me do a quick scan here. It is, in fact, the worst in the yeah. league. So, you know, there, but that's going to be growing pains both defensively and when you're not um, getting a lot of help defensively, you're you're going to see, you know, John Gibson is going to struggle as well. I don't think that's reflective of his play necessarily. He's just going to face a, lo- a lot of shots. And so, um, yeah, you just take the wins when you can get them and uh, focus on next year. <laughs> and AJ, I, I look at – uh, another team in the, in the West and uh, up next, and that's the Arizona Coyotes. And I get ticked off when I look at the game summaries. They've been blasted four out of five times. Their only win, guess who, against Toronto. I call it their Stanley Cup uh, win already this season. So uh, they've had four lopsided losses, and I think we're going to see more of the same. They're just suffering from the fact that they've got a lot of experience on the sidelines. Nick Schmaltz, Andrew Ladd, Jacob Chikrin on the sidelines. Chikrin is, in fact, going to be the subject of a lot of intrigue. I'm sure he wants – he's already said he wants out of this situation. And Arizona is basically having a very open process where they're accepting trade offers for him. And I'm hearing that it's going to be at least three premium pieces that it'll take to pry him loose. It'll be like a roster player, a draft pick, and a a good prospect are, are the combination that will get this deal done. And a number of teams have lined up because this is a pretty good defenseman who will, will look good in, in uh, I'm sure, any of the other 31 sweaters among the league uh, who should all be there taking a look at this kid. He's, he's a young guy. He's got some cap certainty in terms of his contract. It's not over the top. It's certainly not a minimum salary, salary but I don't think it's, it's anything more than he's worth. It might be less than what he's worth, in fact. So an attraction there. But in the interim... Eyes are still on guys like Lawson Krauss and Clayton Keller atop this list. I'm surprised, though, that they can't do any better than Tyler Boyd, Travis Boyd at the top line center position. Uh, they haven't got big-time options, but I'd like to see Barrett Hayden get a look in that situation. He's locked in at the second center role, and you've seen Nick that up close. I think he's a guy that could play in the top six here, too. So they have options to mess around with, uh, but uh, really not a lot of, not a lot going for this club at the moment. One club that does have a lot going for it. You mentioned off the top, Paul, the Boston Bruins. They've been surprisingly good this season with a number of injuries, and they're going to get a guy back in Brandon Carlo. Uh, obviously, from a fantasy perspective, Carlo, not a huge factor, right? Like maybe 20 points in, in a good year for him. But, um, you know, he'll shore up that that blue line a little bit more, add some you know, defensive prowess there. And it's going to be an interesting group to watch what happens when Charlie McAvoy comes back. Um, I would imagine we're going to see maybe Mike Riley head down to the minors. He was waived uh, before the start of the season so that they could do that. They obviously saw something in, in Anton Strawman because they signed him after his uh, you know professional tryout during camp. So uh, this is a, an intriguing group that's in flux when McAvoy comes back. You know, we're already seeing Jacob Zorbo getting bounced from the lineup tonight with Carlos return. So um could be some rotating doors here and, and some changes in roles. So they're one you're definitely going to want to keep an eye on. And AJ, I started off with Arizona, who has won one of five. I'm looking now at the Buffalo Sabres, who have won four of five, and they're winning by lopsided scores. Their last two wins, 6-3 over Calgary and 5-1 to one over Vancouver. Actually, they swept the Canadian Western Canadian swing with a victory in Edmonton before that. So things are looking pretty promising there when you consider those results. But They've taken a bit of a hit on the blue line recently. Uh, Henry Okiharju and Matthias Samuelson, both guys who factor into the top end of their defensive uh, 
structure. They're on the sidelines right now, both on IR, and that's opened up more ice time for a rookie sensation, they hope, Owen Power, who's getting some big-time minutes in the top four. And so, same with Jacob Bryson, a little less heralded, but a guy who showed me a little bit of offensive upside last year. So uh, they've got a bit of a different look. Uh, they've also partnered Ilya Ligushkin with Rasmus Dahlin, who Rasmus Dahlin is on fire in terms of the offensive production so far this season. He's already out of the gate with five goals and three assists in five games played to lead this team in scoring. Owen Power, his partner, has two assists to his credit but is getting his feet wet. And a lot of people have hopes that this guy, AJ, is going to factor into the uh, Calder Trophy race before it's all said and done this season. So the news is mostly on the back end, but don't sleep on that top line. Uh, they're, they're still undervalued, I think, in uh, DFS. Uh, we're going to talk about some of these guys later, I'm sure. Alex Tuck and Tage Thompson, two-thirds of their top line, have uh, sprung out of the gate to lead this offense. In Carolina, we talked uh, at the start of the season about how deep this team was in its forward complement. Um, that hasn't really been reflective in what we're seeing in terms of offensive production. I mean, you're talking Martin Nook, Stahl, and Jasper Fast, all of which uh, have you know minimal minimal points here, two at the most. I think combined, uh, they're right about five points there. And it gets even worse when you look, you know, down Stastny hasn't done much. Derek Stepan hasn't done a whole lot. Stefan Nosen is probably the only exception in their bottom six here. He's got four assists through five games. Some of that problem being, you know, made worse by the fact that Andre Kasha is out after a concussion that he suffered in the first game of the season. So that has stretched his depth a little bit. But really, um, from my perspective, you know, it looks like they're just not totally there uh, in terms of, you know, depth production, and eventually it's going to catch up to him. Now, having said that, when you've got the ability to put Andrei Svechnikov and, and Jesperi Kotkanemi together on a second line, Tuvo Teravainen and Sebastian Ajo on the first line, like they're solid in their top six, um, Seth Jarvis and Martin Nekash rounding out that group. But the bottom six of this group has really not produced, and Carolina is going to run into some problems eventually if that doesn't change. A uh, healthy Calgary roster, with the exception of a personal issue that's dogging Oliver Shillington. We don't know much in terms of the details there, but he's been uh, missing for much of training camp and the early regular season. Despite that, the Flames are hot out of the gate with four wins in their first five games. They only blemish a home loss against the Buffalo Sabres, but I mentioned already the Sabres are off for a good start, so that's not really a blight on them to date. And you have to like the fit of... Uh, one well, Nazem Kadri, he's he's looked very good in the Calgary Colors. Six points in five games played, uh, notching 17 shots along the way. So he's uh, fitting in very nicely to a team that's already got a wealth of options offensively. We were also very buoyant about our views on uh, Mackenzie Weger. He's fit in with three assists already. The plus minus is flat, but uh, he's he's a guy that uh, is a physical guy and blocks a lot of shots. So he's uh, at the lead of, of the club and. and Two of the, in those categories, the only guy who has more hits is Nikita Zadorov. He's more of a defensive-minded defenseman. I'm saying here, Mackenzie Weger is an all-around defender who doesn't rate among the top scoring defensemen or uh, profile defensemen, but I think a very useful piece here that, uh, as I said, it tipped the scales in that trade that happened in the offseason. Huberto, for his part, the other piece that came over, has not found the back of the net, but he's still passing the puck around, and he's got four assists to his record. I was a little surprised, AJ, when, when I saw the lineup say that Tyler Toffoli would be a first-line player here, but the early returns are positive. 
the coach, Mr. Sutter, is getting good mileage out of him with six, five points in five games played. Of course, they were together in L.A. during uh, the high times in Los Angeles that they both enjoyed. So they, he knew what he had in Toffoli, and he's continuing to get the most out of him. And that's a big, big plus here. Rasmus Anderson was a power play quarterback who I thought would be threatened by Mackenzie Weger's presence. I think that both, both of them are bringing in the best of each other. In fact, Rasmus Anderson stands at the top of the scoring race for Calgary in the early going here. So that's more good news for the Calgary club that I think is going to be a big-time big, big time competitor in this division. And I might vote for first place at the end of the regular season here in this group. In Chicago, they had uh, the unfortunate news that Peter Mrazek is out um, for a little bit here with a groin injury. They haven't really provided much in the way of a timeline as, as far as I can tell here. Um, but obviously, goaltenders uh, and groin injuries are, are kind of um, a, a big concern here. And so for now, it's going to be Alex Stalock that carries the load for them. Uh, Arvid Soderblom is going to be another option. He'll serve as the number two. They've got a back-to-back coming up this weekend. So you'd imagine they'll each take one of those games. Uh, and, you know, we talked about Chicago at the start of the season, a number of players that could be high trade value pieces, depending on how they perform this year. One name that I'll throw out there that we hadn't really discussed was Sam Lafferty. His appeal will come in the fact that he's got another year on his deal, which means, you know, it's more uh, more than just a rental um, necessarily. Rafferty off to a good start, five points in five games this season. Uh, he is definitely a, uh, a guy that could be an option on a penalty kill if you need that sort of fill as well. Obviously, Max Dome doing his part with three goals in those five games. So, um it's going to be about who can raise their value and who can end up where. Um, obviously, right now, Chicago seems to be in the mix. I think this is a good opportunity for them to maybe get a look at uh, Soderblom. Obviously, Staylock at 35 isn't going to be the long-term answer um, for Chicago between the Nets. I'm not sold that Peter Morazic is that answer either. So if they can give Soderblom a few games, maybe see what they have, it could uh, you know, be a long-term win for them in, in that standpoint. In Columbus, they have employed Daniel Tarasov as one of their two goalies. That was a bit of a surprise, but it came as a result of Eunice Corpusello being injured. Uh, reports that we hear are that uh, Corpusello is almost ready for a return. So that's likely going to mean the end of the road uh, with the pro club for a while for Tarasov because they've got simply too much money invested in Corpusello and they've got to play then this guy. And it'll be a pretty nice one-two punch in the back end here. But the excitement, real excitement with Columbus is the fact that Patrick Line is back and healthy after scoring a goal in his first game. He got injured in the same one. And uh, he's back and ready to go and to partner up with Johnny Gaudreau, who is apparently loving life in Columbus. AJ's got seven points in seven games played. The beneficiary of all this is Boone Jenner is a guy to watch for uh, in this lineup. He's going to get the plum assignment as the first line center between these two guys. So uh, keep an eye on his value in DFS play. I think that as long as he gets this assignment, he's going to be probably underpriced, I'm going to suggest. And, uh, I'm kind of looking to see who's going to win that role outright over the course of a season. I really like Jack Roslovic as a, as a threat to that possibility. And on the blue line, keep an eye out for Zach Wierenski. He's, again, a guy who is not ranked among the top defenders in terms of scoring in the NHL, but he should be. He's in a very prime situation 
behind the three forwards I mentioned on, on what should be a dynamic power play. He'll pad his stats, and he's far and away the best offensive piece that they have on the blue line. So it's a high-end view of the front-line players that uh, has my attention here in Columbus right now. Well, there's good news in Colorado. They're going to get Devin Taves back after missing the last two games due to injury. Uh, he putting together a strong start to the year, three assists in the first four games, um, getting uh, kind of minimal power play time, especially the last two games. But he should see more opportunities. They've got him set to kind of anchor that second unit and, and quarterback that, if you will. So we're seeing some some good news there offensively. Look, we talked about somebody was going to have to step up with Gabriel Landesklag out of the lineup, and that person so far has been Val Nachushkin. Six goals, five assists through six games. You've got five of those 11 points coming with the man advantage as well, so really stepping into his role there. And then, you know, when Taves was out, they didn't have too much of a drop-off. Bowen Byram, for his part, five points as well in six games. So there's just so many players contributing offensively on this team that, you know, it's hard to imagine a team could overcome the loss of a player of Gabriel Landeskog's quality. Um, but they've certainly done that and they're getting solid net minding out of Alexander Georgiev. Again, I've said repeatedly that he doesn't have to be perfect, just good enough. 908 is the save percentage and that's good enough for a 301 record undefeated in regulation. Um, and so they'll be tested tonight facing the Rangers, but this is a Colorado team that looks exactly where we thought they would be. And and that's dangerous for the rest of the West and, and really the rest of the NHL. Well, you can add another team that I think is going to be a danger that maybe we did. We weren't equally as high on in Dallas, AJ. They have lost two of their last three games, one in overtime here in Toronto, but in, in all the six games, they've allowed three or less in each of those outcomes. And certainly Jake Oppinger uh, bears a mention. He's four and oh, with only five goals against all victories, uh, as I mentioned, only five goals against, and even that was a power play goal. So uh, one of those was a power play goal, rather. So he's really hold it, held his own uh, in the nets and ranks uh, as one of the top young goalies in the league and making a real good name for himself. And he's ably supported by Scott Wedgwood. So they got a nice one-two punch in the nets there. But they've also spread the wealth out among their offense. They're getting good mileage out of Jake Jason Robertson with seven points, and he's tied with Rupe Hintz and Joe Pavelski, all those guys in playing in the six games, better than a point per game right now. And Tyler Sagan looks rejuvenated, AJ. We have not mentioned him among the leading scorers in the league uh, for a few years, but he's looking now like he's ready to show that he's still a dynamic offensive force here. And with 15 shots on goal, along with the six points, he's, he's doing his part to, to boost this offense. Of course, I have to cringe every time I mention Mason Marchman. He's fit in like a glove over here since coming over. He's got six points in six games himself, and he plays a very physical style of hockey. He's got 11 hits to lead the forward ranks and uh, is uh, a real presence on the ice, AJ, that, that makes some of the other guys play bigger than they are. Well, off the top, you mentioned that the Detroit Red Wings were higher in the Atlantic than we anticipated they would be. They've yet to lose in regulation here. 3-0-2 is the record. That makes them the only team in the league right now that is yet to lose in regulation. So um, they're holding their own solid net mining. They've really been splitting the workload between Billy Husso and Alex Ndelkovic. You'll have Nadelkovic going tonight. That'll be three games apiece for them through the first six. 
Um, they've been solid. You know, we talked on Thursday about having to overcome injuries to, and absences to for Tyler Bertuzzi, Jacob Vrana, and Robbie Fabry. And they're getting that out of Dominic Kubelik, who's got eight points in those five games. David Perron has four goals to start the year. And so, yeah, again, another team just like uh, in Colorado, they've got guys stepping in to bigger roles, top six responsibilities, and really, uh, you know, taking taking a hold of, of those spots makes you wonder what this team will look like if they can get those three guys back on the ice. AJ, when you think of Edmonton, you're going to talk about the scoring exploits of Dreisaitl and McDavid, but really this team is going to go as far as their goaltending is going to be effective. And right now, the early returns on one, Jack Campbell, aren't very positive from where I sit. He's appeared in five games, and he's allowed at least three goals in four of them. So he's got to shut it down a little bit more with a little bit of help from maybe a more improved defensive structure here that still is a bit of a concern based on what I've seen so far out of this club. So they'll score. But it's how well they defend that's going to t- tell the tale. There was some concern in the training camp about what to do with Jesse Pugliarvi. He's not doing himself any favors, AJ. Through six games, he's a minus five with no points. He is being physical with 16 hits in those six games. So maybe he's trying to reinvent himself by being more, more of a, a grinder-type player. But he's got to find some traction in terms of scoring with some of the rest of these guys or he's going to fall way down the depth chart, lower than, than we forecast, in fact. And uh, that's bad news for him, I would say. Tyson Berry uh, lost, has lost his job, I think, to a Darnell Nurse in terms of being a power play quarterback. And it might even be he might have been threatened by Evan Bouchard in the second role here. Bouchard is a guy who's pouring shots on goal uh, at a higher, higher rate than both of these two guys, with 20 in six games played. So they've got a few options on the back end, but maybe not the order that we thought about early in the season. For Florida, I will uh, maybe apologize to, to Spencer Knight a little bit. Might have been a little harsh in my assessment of his one outing or his first outing this year, especially when you consider Buffalo has looked a lot better Bounced back from that first one that was a bit of a struggle with uh, giving up two goals on 26 shots in a winning effort over the Islanders. Again, definitely better in that one uh, than the first one. And at the end of the day, the fact of the matter is he's got two wins and two outings. Sergey Bobrovsky, two one and one in his four appearances this year. Both these guys looking pretty good. And that's going to help, uh, especially you know, when you consider they've got offensive upside, there is obviously some concern with the departures of, of a handful of guys in the offseason. But, you know, Matthew Tichuk comes over on that big deal, eight points through six games. You'd like a little more production out of him on the power play. He's got just one power play assist. Um, and then, you know, Barkov, no goals yet, but, you know, I'm not real. I wouldn't be real worried about that, even from a fantasy perspective yet. He's got four helpers in those six games. So, um, you just got to get maybe this power play going a little bit, uh, a little bit more, and and I think they'll they'll be just fine. Well, and, and LA confuses me a little bit early on, AJ. Based on what I'm seeing, we thought that this was a team that had a defensive structure in place. They've got a healthy Drew Doughty and a couple other young defensemen that are starting to take strides in a positive direction. Notwithstanding that fact, in the seven games that they played. I see a lot of high goals against numbers, and the, both goalies are taking a beating in terms of their stats. Quick and Peterson were, I thought, were going to be one of the better tandems in this division and maybe a catalyst for them rising in the standings like they did last season. But they're challenged 
uh, on the back end uh, of their roster right now with the fact that the goals against hovering around four per game. And this offense is not mature enough to handle that and outscore that on a regular basis. So they really got to get that out of, under control. Uh, newcomer Kevin Fiala is doing his part to, to stem that tide with five points in seven games played. But he, they're here again. He's got a minus five. Adrian Kempe, a guy that broke out last season, is doubling down on that. He got a big year last year, upwards of 30 goals. And and he, here he is with four goals in six games already this season. So uh, there are pieces in place offensively, but the defensive structure is something of a surprise that's failing this club at the moment. For Minnesota, one thing that obviously has been failing them is the defensive side of the puck. And look, you know, I certainly think a lot of the blame should go on Marc-Andre Fleury, but he's not totally blameless. And this is reflected in the plus minuses for some of their biggest stars. You look at Matt Zuccarella, 10 points, but a minus seven. That's because seven of his 10 points have come with the man advantage. Kirill Kaprasov is in a similar boat, eight points with a minus six. Kalen Addison, six helpers, a minus seven here as well. So you've got some guys that are really, really power play dependent. Now, does that really matter for you if you're a fantasy you know, player, if you're only concerned about fantasy and not how the wild finish, absolutely not. In fact, that's probably a good thing that they're so productive with the man advantage here. But if you're a Minnesota wild fan, it should strike you as concerning that some of your best point producers are so far already into the plus minus. Now, obviously better net mining out of Marc-Andre Fleury, who is going to get the start tonight will help resolve that issue. Um, but clearly it is not something that is solely dependent I'm Marc-Andre Fleury. There's some lack of defensive uh, two-way play here, I think, in some of these Minnesota stars who need to figure out the back end of the game and help their netminder out. AJ, the Canadians are dealing with some tough news on their back end. Mike Matheson was ruled out for the next two months, it seems, with an injury. And that's going to put a lot of pressure on a, on a defense that was already bereft of, of experience. The only experienced hand among the top six is Chris Weidman, and he's hardly a physical specimen. In fact, maybe a lower-end power play quarterback type here that they'll lean on from time to time. That places a lot of pressure on David Savard, who's the only other experienced hand. But they have to be pleased by the fact that youngsters Caden Gooley, Jordan Harris, and and even uh, Arbor Jacki are, are are turning some heads with their their surprisingly uh, robust play. I'll say they're making a more physical effort than the previous editions of the Canadians blue line. So that's keeping it interesting. And Jack guy is going to be a, a star. If he, if he continues to uh, fight the way that he has, uh, he disposed of Zach Cassian in pretty spectacular fashion last week, AJ in, in a, a battle that caught uh, my eye and some highlights there offensively, though, this team's only going to go as far as the, the first line is going to carry them. They haven't got a lot of depth behind them. Sean Monaghan is in a good spot now, though, playing that first line right wing alongside Caulfield and Suzuki, who are carrying most of the mail offensively. Good to see Brendan Gallagher avoid injury. He looked like he was in trouble uh, one game last week, but he's come back with a vengeance, and he looks like he's at full strength and uh, bolstering a second line between uh, around Christian Dvorak and Evgeny Dedonov to experience hands. So they've pushed Josh Anderson out of the top six. I find that a little bit of a surprise, but maybe they're trying to stretch the roster as he's playing alongside Kirby Dock and Jonathan Drouin on another line that has some young experience to it as well. Well, if you want to talk surprises, I think the deployment in the New Jersey Devils 
uh, situation right now has definitely raised, at least for me, an eyebrow here. Uh, you know, you look, they have been rolling with seven defensemen. And that in itself is not that surprising if you have some guys that you're, you know, think highly of. I think what surprises me more is that means you've got guys like Alexander Holtz, Jesper Boquist, and Fabian Zetterlin who are just watching from the press box rather than getting these guys onto the ice. And when you consider that those guys seemingly are some of your up-and-coming young core, I mean, you're talking uh, Holtz at 20 and Boquist and Zetterlin both at 23 all three of them were drafted by the organization. So clearly you're working towards getting them more and more in your lineup. Um, I do think there's, you know, there's something to be said for giving Kevin Ball a look here. Uh, he's a defenseman who's been uh, playing in the last three games while they've been playing this other option. But still, it surprises me to see them continue to go with this and leave these guys out of the lineup. We'll see how long it lasts. Usually teams that are deploying seven defensemen, it's not a long-term so you know, long-term situation. Eventually they'll move somebody, send ball back down to the minors, something like that, um, and and go back to a 12-6 format. But it is something interesting to keep an eye on. And I am surprised to see these three young forwards being left out of the lineup. Well, AJ, uh, looking at Nashville, and we could have named them one of the early season disappointments too. After two games that they won in the Czech Republic to open the NHL season over San Jose. They've gone on and lost the next five, only one of them going to extra time. So they got one point in their last five games. And again, it looks like it's uh, most of the reason is because of a lack of atten- attention to defensive detail. And that is not something you usually say about a Nashville club, but they're not getting stellar goaltending right now from either Cyrus or, L- or Lankinen. And they're yielding over three goals a game. You don't expect that from this club. Uh, they are better offensively on paper than than we thought that they've been in the last couple of years. But even that has not transpired on the ice yet. You look, you got Nino 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 Ryder who's been a nice fit here, leading the squad with four goals, but nobody else has more than two. Philip Forsberg has one of is one of those guys with two goals. Same with Johansson Duchesne. You're expecting those names to be there. Tyler Janot is a guy that you penned. Uh, in our preseason previews. I still like this kid, and he's another guy with the two goals. But beyond that, they're looking for offense from a number of other people. Roman Yossi's also struggled out of the gate, AJ, with only one point and a minus six record to his record. He was, uh, before the season started, one of the uh, top candidates for the Norris Trophy, but he's got a, a lot of work to do to catch up to some other defensemen who've got out of the gate. And uh, that's that's another reflection of how poor things have gone here. Poorly things have gone here because he and Ryan McDonough haven't scored yet between them, and they're both sporting very ordinary marks across the board as the uh, leaders of this blue line. Given the two and four record for the Islanders, it shouldn't be a surprise that they're shuffling up the lines today uh, at their game day or at their uh, practice. What's most interesting about these is you've got Josh Bailey, who's pointless in five games. Moving into a top-line role with Matthew Barzell and Oliver Wallstrom. Bar- Barzell, for his you know, his uh, part of this, no goals yet, but six assists through six games. Uh, and then Wallstrom, three goals and one assist. So clearly they're going to try to have those guys bring Bailey along with them. Then you've got Anthony Bolivier, who is a healthy scratch for their most recent game. Back in the top six now with Brock Nelson and Anders Lee. And then... I'll call it the three P line, Parisi, Pajot, and Palmieri rounding out the third. And of course, we all know 
The fourth line on Long Island is Martin Sezikis and Clutterbuck. Some things just don't change regardless of everything else. But I think it's interesting to see if this pans out for Josh Bailey. Can he get a goal and get some points and start going? Are we going to see goals out of Matthew Barzell now, or is it still going to be a little more assist heavy? I would expect over the course of the whole season, he'll be more definitely more of an assist heavy player, but uh, no goals in six games. Bit of a surprise. Not a concern, but something to uh, see how he gels with Josh Bailey here moving forward and how long these line combinations last. It could be that by tomorrow, we're shuffling these up again. Exactly. Uh, Over with New York Rangers, they've lost three of their last four games, including their last two. The last one, a lopsided loss against Columbus, in fact, that they didn't look very good in. But they have to be take heart in the fact that a couple of youngsters who have been a little bit slow to make their first impact in the NHL look like they're getting their acts together. Capo Caco has translated a pretty decent early start. He's got a couple of goals in six games to a first-line opportunity alongside Zibanejad and Kreider. So that could be some sneaky good DFS value as long as that holds. And right behind him, Alexis Lafreniere, formerly a first overall draft pick in this league, has a pretty nice spot landing spot alongside Panarin and Trocek, two veterans, including Trocek, who's one of the better puck distributing centers in the league. So good landing spots for two Ranger youngsters and uh, will certainly aid in their development. A third Ranger youngster merits consideration and discussion too. And Vitaly Kravtsov, who's got his off-ice situation sorted out with contract and health and so on. And he's appeared in a couple of games and he starts – uh, the next game that they'll have, he'll be in the third line role. So their right wing is uh, dotted with three youngsters who are very key to the future of this club. A fourth youngster in the mix is currently sidelined, and that's Philip Heedle. Uh, not sure about how long he's going to be out. It's going to be at least the last four games with an upper body hurt. So that'll keep him out of the next week of games. But uh, the things are really looking up for the Rangers. They've conducted uh a rebuild on the fly, AJ, the likes of which I haven't seen for years. And they still rank among the upper echelon clubs in this league, I think, at this stage. Well, speaking of sideline youngsters, Ottawa's Josh Norris going to be out for two weeks with a shoulder injury here, was placed on injured reserve. Obviously, that will be a bit of a blow for them, but they have a veteran in Derek Brassard, who is a healthy scratch for the first uh, first five games of the season. And then they put him in to line up last night, gets a goal uh, on his only shot in that game. Uh, so whether that can be long-term production or not remains to be seen. This is a very up and down player over the last several years, um, which is why, you know, you look at his, uh, his list of teams he's played for over the last, you know, four seasons, you've got Ottawa, Philadelphia, Edmonton, Arizona, Islanders, Pittsburgh, Florida, Colorado, uh, Pittsburgh in there again, uh, Ottawa in there again. <laughs> so uh, it's been a lot of movement around for Broussard. I think he also uh, hasn't always been put into the best opportunities to be able to play center his more natural position. So that certainly has been a factor, um, but it's one to watch. Can he take advantage of this opportunity to play with Alex Debrincat, play with Claude Giroux in that second line role? I think if he stumbles, you're going to have Shane Pinto waiting in the wings to jump into that spot. And I think they'll give Pinto all the opportunities they might need. He's a, he's a you know young player that they drafted in the second round. They're going to want to see him continue to develop and so if there is any struggles from Broussard, I think Pinto will be right there in the mix for it. Should be important to point out 
for his part, Pinto does have five points in each of his last five games. In fact, a goal in all five of those games. So he's doing everything he can to earn more opportunities here. Um, and Broussard may end up being a placeholder if he stumbles at all. AJ, you mentioned at the outset Philadelphia was one of your positive surprises, and they're doing it with a, a host of players in the infirmary. They're getting some good news in that regard. As Rasmus Terstelainen is expected back in the lineup this week, and ditto for Owen Tippett. He's more of a bottom six player, but Terstelainen's return is going to help the structure of this blue line, which is heavy on veterans at, uh, for sure, but they can certainly use another puck mover with his size on the back end to assist the likes of Provorov and D'Angelo. Maybe it'll be an opportunity to split those two guys up because I think they're the two best offensive pieces here. And and I think that uh, this provides some length opportunity for the Philadelphia defense. Up front, uh, Guy has taken advantage of the fact that uh, Sean Couturier is still sidelined for an undisclosed amount and Artemi Perrin. Artem Anisimov is out of the lineup as well. Is uh, Morgan Frost, and I'm happy to see this guy get a bit of a run here and he's so far factoring into the offense to the tune of two goals and one assist thus far and he's getting a a good run in a scoring line role so they're really going to find out what they have in this youngster a former first round pick and uh, I think they're going to give him an extended rope to see what he can do but uh, not a lot of talent to go along with him on the on the second line here Nicholas Delorier, Wade Allison never not neither one is really a proven scorer in this league and really that's the that's the uh, an indication of the lack of depth in Philadelphia that's going to eventually bite them. I don't know how they're going to sustain the or strong early going here. Uh, it's certainly predicated on a, a better defensive structure than they've had before, and that's reflected in, in the goals against average. Carter Harder is having a, one of his better runs in the Philadelphia uniform. AJ, we reached that point in the show. We've covered 20 teams. We've got 12 to go. And we're going to get to those after a bit of a commercial break. Let's take a pause to give our sponsors some airtime. We'll be back with some news and notes from the rest of the clubs around the league. You're listening to Rotowire's podcast with Statsman and AJ. We'll be back after these messages. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, 
Access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, we return, and we have 10 teams left to cover in our sweep around the league. The next one up is the Pittsburgh Penguins. But before we get to them, my partner has to do his part in terms of bringing a bright light onto our main sponsor and reminding you, our listeners, how you can get in touch with us during the next week. Yeah, so, you know, the NHL, obviously, we're two weeks in. Plenty of uh, fun to be had there in terms of, of some sports betting here. NFL, for its part is you know nearing the midpoint of the season it, there is no better time to try caesar sportsbook today anyone who is at least 21 years old and in a licensed caesar sportsbook state can create a new account and redeem caesar sportsbook promo roto 15 that's r-o-t-o-1-5 the promo code gives new users a risk-free bet up to fifteen hundred dollars visit caesars.com sportsbooks or download the caesar sportsbook app today and don't forget to use promo code ROTO15 when signing up. Of course, as Paul mentioned, uh, we are uh, available, ready, and willing to discuss all your hockey questions and concerns over on Twitter. You can follow me at AJScholes24, and you can follow Paul, the Statsman, at Statsman22. And AJ, I like, I'd like to tout for our audience's benefit, I've been doing this for about 25 years, uh, the DFS thing, the playing in hockey pools of all different types. And I've managed to become invited to several highly visible leagues in the past. And one of them is the Champions League that's run by our friend and a friend of the FSTA, Digger Turnbull, who is a name that most people will recognize, I'm sure, if they've been around the fantasy scene uh, for any length of period of time. One of the nicest guys in the business as well. And he's invited both of us to participate in some high-end leagues in the last few years. And we've held our own and more to represent Rotowire very well. And uh, I, I just want to say that in terms of adding a little clout to what the, the note, news and notes that we cover on a weekly basis. But I want you to take a minute now and give us the latest on what's going on with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, so uh, obviously uh, a disappointing loss for the Penguins last night as they fall to Edmonton 6-3. to 
really the first bad outing of the season by Tristan Jari. Um, he gave up six goals on 47 shots, so certainly plenty, uh, plenty of work to be done by Jari there. Up to that point, he had been a perfect four for four uh, on the season. So uh, obviously something to overcome there. They are just starting out like a, a real rough stretch where they've got like 16 road games of their next 19, so, something in that vein. They've played two of them. They're uh, hitting up a back-to-back and, you know, tonight. So I get, I'm assuming we'll see Casey DeSmith here, uh, especially given the heavy workload Jari faced. So um, they're going to need, obviously, a little bit better out of him in that game. I've liked what I've seen out of Jeff Petch, uh, Petrie to start the year here. More than just the offensive outside, four points in six games, adding a bit more grit in front of the net, something the Penguins have drastically la- lacked in the last several years. Um, so that's good to see there. I think this is a really good team. They're obviously trying to ride out the Jake Gensel injury, still missing Teddy Bluger, who would very certainly be their fourth-line center if he was available. No real update on Gensel other than you know, he is with the team uh, on their current, you know, current road trip through Western Canada there. Whether he plays tonight remains to be seen. I would guess probably not, um, but uh, hopefully trending in the right direction here and they'll get him back sooner rather than later. And that'll get him back in his customary spot on Sidney Crosby's left wing. AJ in Seattle, it's a good news, bad news situation here. They took a blow in the nets with uh... – Philip Grubauer being sidelined, and there's some concern about the severity of the injury. It's a lower body hurt, and he's on injured reserve at the moment. That's going to put a lot of pressure on Marty Jones, the other experienced hand on the back end, because behind him they've only got Joey Decord as the other healthy option with Chris Dreger already signed that line for the rest of the year with an ACL. So thin in the nets and a lot of pressure on Marty Jones, who's got a bloated goals against average, which is par for the course for him. He's been battered uh, behind some bad defenses for the last several years, so it's been more of the same in uh, Seattle. But the good news here is they're getting offense to stay in uh, most of their games, and they're scoring at a pretty high rate. And a lot of that has to do with the early showings of one Matty Beneers. And I I credit you, AJ, as being really high on this youngster. He's got five points in the seven games played, pouring 16 shots on goal in those efforts, and uh, really being a spark plug on this offense. They've also got... Oliver Bjorkstrand, he's poured 30 shots on goal to come up up with four points himself. And that's two of six forwards who are uh, leading this team and scoring with at least four points each over the seven games played. And uh, that gives this team a shot to be in most every game that they're playing, as long as they're getting that kind of offense. Anchoring the back end in terms of the scoring is Vince Dunn with three points, albeit a minus five on his ledger. He's also a guy that they're going to count on for power play uh, contributions down the road. Justin Schultz, another experienced hand on the back end with three points as well. So you can see they're getting a lot of point production from their roster, but the fact is they've got to sort out what's going on in the defensive end because that's costing them more games than they're winning right now. Well, one team not getting a lot of offensive production from some of their guys is the San Jose Sharks, specifically looking at Timo Meyer, just two assists through eight games, no goals yet for him. Kevin LeBanc, one goal, no assists. Two guys who really should be significant factors in their offense just aren't showing up right now. You've got Eric Carlson doing his part with six points through those eight games. Logan Couture and Luke Coonan both with four. 
Um, but even, you know, for the type of player you expect him to be, you could even say three points in eight games, little disappointing for Thomas Hurdle as well. And then the other thing between the Nets, I mean, I think we need to see more James Reimer here for the San Jose Sharks, which I cannot believe I'm saying. But <laughs> you look at his record, two and three, obviously it's not great, but 933 is the save percentage. He's coming off a 30 save shutout performance. Meanwhile, Kapo Kakinen, uh winless through his first three games, 3.46 is the goals against average, just not doing enough here. Um, now, obviously, Reimer lost the first three of the season, but clearly it seems like he's bounced back. And really, I mean, one of those games gave up four goals on 45 shots. Like, that's a lot of workload for the guy. Um, you know, would you have liked it to have been, you know, three, maybe even fewer? But uh, his save percentage has never in any of the games this season, even those three losses, has never dipped below 900. I think that's more than enough that you're getting out of Reimer here. Um, and so I think they have to utilize him more. They've been kind of dividing the workload a little bit with a shade more towards Reimer. I think it needs to go even further because Capo Kaganen just isn't bringing it right now for the Sharks. AJ, we haven't got much to say about St. Louis. They've played the fewest games of any team in the league with only four under their belt so far. But the early returns on the goaltending situation with the light focus, uh, bright light focused on Jordan Bennington, it looks like he's ready to hold on to the top role with both hands. He's got three wins and three starts, including a shutout for a 94% save percentage and 1.65 goals against. That's very early in the season, but it's a really good indicator for a guy who struggled at times last season and didn't show his uh, cup-winning form throughout the campaign. Looks like he's ready to play so far this season, and he's going to get busier with the club facing four games in six days over the next week. So we'll have more to say about this club next week in the Nets as well as offensively. They're certainly get, getting good mileage out of veterans who lead their team in scoring, Vlad Tarasenko and Braden Shen, with spot six and five points respectively. Uh, at the other end of the spectrum, they haven't gotten much out of a couple of other players that you expect to be scoring leaders on this club one. Ryan O'Reilly, pointless in four games played, for instance. And Jordan Cairo with only one goal and a minus five. So that line has to get it going. Minus four, minus five, respectively. This is a team that plays a sound game defensively. And you can bet those numbers will turn around and make this team a tough out as the season progresses. I can give you the exact uh, quotes from any coach going up against the Tampa Bay Lightning this year. It's Please don't take dumb penalties. And that's because you've got Steven Stamkos, five power play goals out of seven. Nikita Kucherov, eight assists on the year. Again, five of those coming with the man advantage. This team is going to eat you alive when you give them the extra attacker here. And so I think, you know, that's going to be what a lot of the other teams are hearing. You've got Hedman, three of his five points coming with the man advantage as well. Um, you know, if you want to find something to be concerned about with this team, you could look at the fact that Kucherov doesn't have a goal yet through six games, but there's so many assists there with eight. Like, it's hard to complain about that. You've got Braden Point with four goals. So other guys are stepping up and doing the goal scoring. So I don't really think that's a concern for them. I think this team is just going to continue to roll the way they always do. I know the record doesn't necessarily show that to start. Um, when you're, you know, you pull up the standings and you go, oh, my gosh, Tampa Bay is seventh in the Atlantic. Like they're going to get there. They're going to get rolling. Um, Vasilevsky has been a little 
you know, maybe you could call it inconsistent, but really two or three goals allowed in each one of his outings. We're seeing a little bit more Brian Elliott um, and they have uh, he's gone one and one. So I think it just may be taking these two guys a little bit longer to get going. Once the goaltending kind of shores up, if you really want to say that again, I don't think it's been bad. Um, the offense is clearly c- clicking. Uh, and, and so I would expect over the next you know week or two, we're just going to see Tampa Bay slowly climb themselves back up towards the top of this Atlantic. And AJ, I used the term good news, bad news earlier. I'm going to use it again when discussing the Maple Leafs. They've come off, they've come off uh, winning four of their last six games. So got to be pleased about that. But they certainly didn't look good in their last outing against Las Vegas. They got outshot and outplayed in a 3-1 loss. The score uh, line kinder to them than what I saw in terms of the way the ice was tilted. But uh, on the plus side, I have to be pleased with the fact that John Tavares looks healthier than he did at any time last season. He's better than a point per game to lead this club with eight points in the seven games played. And there was a lot of concern about that contract at the beginning in the offseason saying, boy, they paid too much for this guy and it's going to bite them before it's over. But it's five years in now. This is the fifth year on the deal. And he's still a point-per-game player, so I have no complaints. And really, I expect uh, the season to continue in a positive vein for him because of other developments related to that second line. Willie Nylander leading the team in goal scoring. He's continuing to be a point-per-game player that he rose to that level last season. But the best news of all is they found that looks like they finally found somebody to play with these two guys in youngster Nick Robertson, a guy that I thought should be uh, among the players being touted for maybe Calder consideration in his three games to date. He's got three points on that line and uh, he's uh, an energetic guy, a very highly skilled player and will be a low end fantasy value in DFS play. As long as he continues to have that plum assignment on the second line with the Leafs. Big concern for me though, the veterans on the blue line, not really holding the fort here. This team looked like it was in fire drill mode last night and has for a few games this season. I expect better defensive play out of the likes of Morgan Riley, TJ Brody, and uh, Mark Giordano. These are three, three veterans who know their way around the rink at both ends of the ice. They're not doing it right now, and that's hurting this club defensively. And uh, in behind them, Ilya Samsonov has been heroic in terms of keeping this team in, team in games, but he's facing way too much uh, rubber. This is one, one team that should be elite in this league, and they're not looking like it right now. The Canucks are dealing with a severely banged up blue line right now. You've got Quinn Hughes, Travis Dermott, Tucker Pullman all on the IR, plus Riley Stillman is day-to-day as well. And that means some younger guys in Jack Rathbone, uh, Glamour Bruce Bois are both up in uh, in uh, Vancouver from the minors. Luke Shen getting more ice time than he probably otherwise would have. They also now among the, the injuries are starting to creep over into the forwards. Now you've got Brock Besser was unavailable on Monday um, due to uh, an injury for him. And so really things starting to compound a little bit in Vancouver and not necessarily uh, in a good way here. You know, you consider Hughes is the quarterback of their number one power play. Uh, Besser is also a factor in that group. Those two have combined for nine assists to start the season uh, so they're losing playmakers here and also losing just defensive stalwarts uh, in the likes of, you know, guys, uh, like I said, um, you know, T- Travis Dermott here. So it's going to be kind of interesting to watch. You may want to consider stacking against Vancouver just because 
These are younger guys that are going to be prone to making some mistakes, and it could be an opportunity to capitalize. I know they've got Thatcher Demko backstopping them, so certainly uh, that's something to consider. But Demko, for his part, yet to secure a win this season. He's uh, 0-5-1 to start the year, has given up three or more goals in all of his outings, and not having these defensemen is not going to improve his chances here. I think uh, it is definitely a a good time to stack against Vancouver. Um, Or if you're looking at betting lines, you know, it might be tempting to take the under because they might not have the production that you think, but they're probably going to give up a lot of goals. So attacking Vancouver's overs in terms of totals might also be another option here. AJ, the Las Vegas Golden Knights have turned heads this season for their play on the ice and, I think it's being spearheaded by the fact that two of their veteran players are playing very, like they at the top of their games and their health concerns are behind them. I'm talking about Jack Eichel, who leads this team offensively with seven points in seven games played. And right behind him, Mark Stone with five points in seven games played. Both of them posting plus fives so far this season and getting their shot rate up uh, as well. I'd like to see more than 12 out of s- in seven games for Stone, but Eichel for sure, 23 and seven. It's, it's right around where you expect to be and should be expected to rise with a few more reps. But a guy that's getting uh, a good run here again in a top six role, and we don't talk about often enough for my money, is Chandler Stevenson. And he's right there with six points on three goals and three helpers through the early going as well. A very useful piece that has has been a fixture around this club now for a few years and getting the first line minutes with the aforementioned Eichel and Stone makes him a very good DFS value play most nights as well. Their second line has been uh, reunited. The familiar firm of Carlson, Marchessault and Riley Smith holding the fort there. They've been there since the inception of this franchise. They've moved the, the pieces around occasionally but i'm happy to see this uh, this trio reunited and uh, behind them phil kessel who is on the verge of some highlights uh, career and individual we'll talk about him a little bit later in the show as we close it and uh, logan thompson emerging as a bit of a surprise uh, in terms of holding the fort in the nets for this club uh, not regarded as a as one of the top 10 or 15 goalies in the league at the outset, but making a name for himself with five games played. He's got a, two, a 2.03 goals against. A lot of pressure was on this guy because they had uh, the viewpoint, the appearance of a team that was thin in the nets. But Thompson and Aiden Hill holding the fort so far very well in the fortress in Las Vegas. Over in the U.S. Capitol, the the Washington Capitals are uh, dealing with uh, some shuffling of lines, and that has seen Dylan Strom playing the first-line center spot alongside Alexander Ovechkin and the first game in which he fills that role. He picks up a pair of assists, so Strom off to a really good start to the year with six total points in seven games. I would expect we're going to see maybe more opportunities for him what that means when they get Nicholas Backstrom back uh, remains to be seen. But, uh, you know, we're not expecting Backstrom back for a while. In fact, we're looking into, you know, January for his return. So in the meantime, Dylan Strom has thus far supplanted Evgeny Kuznetsov as the top option on that in that center spot. That's a great place for him to be. If for some reason Strom is available in your season-long league, definitely somebody to capitalize on and also willing to look at him in DFS as well, as long as he's playing 
with Alexander Ovechkin. And I will extend that to Connor Sherry, who's playing on the right wing of that line as well. In the early going in Winnipeg, AJ, it looks like Connor Hellebuck is going to be pressed into service as often as we expected him. He's got five appearances so far to his record in the six games, and he's looked very good. 92.9 save percentage goals against in the low twos, so right where you need him to be. But this team is is being hampered right now by the fact that Nick Ehlers is on the sidelines. Not expected to be a long-term injury, AJ, but when you look at the remainder of this roster, you see that once, what once was a stacked top six now has a couple of plug-in pieces in Mason Appleton on the first line with Shifley and Connor and Cole Perfetti alongside Blake Wheeler and Pierre-Luc Dubois. So they, they have two, I'll call them little holes, that they don't need to get any bigger, and they hope that Ehlers can fill one of them in short order. But beyond that, that bottom six is leaving me wanting in terms of support scoring. They're, they've got a couple of veterans in Sam Gagne and Adam Lowry, but beyond that, it's a lot of names that we haven't heard much from, and that's because they don't appear in the scoring summaries very often and haven't in their young careers. That puts a lot of pressure on defenders like the veterans they have in their top four, and they got to hope that the, the quartet of Morrissey, Pionk, Dylan, and Schmidt continues to stay healthy and uh, not press some of the lesser lights there into more service and put more pressure on a guy like Connor, Connor Hallibuck, AJ. So that takes us look through the 30 clubs, 32 clubs, and uh, we got to now go back to uh, one of our old standards on, on the show, if you listen to us for the last few years, where we had a lot of fun with the DFS segments, uh, giving you our best DraftKings and FanDuel picks. I know I, I uh, think I patted AJ's wallet very nicely last season with a successful year, but he did me the return of serve, and he had a very good year as well. We're going to double down on that with our first attempt at uh, making you guys, you listeners some money as well by going through our best uh, DFS options on a 10-game slate tonight. I'm going to throw it to AJ and have him walk us through what he's got cooked up on the DraftKings platform. Yeah, absolutely. So just, um, you know, little little teaser for, for Paul's lineup. I think we're on the same uh, or close to the same goalie here. Um, but I noticed a pretty significant disparity looking at FanDuel. You, uh, sorry, going to give it away, Paul. You're planning on using Sergei Bobrovsky. Yeah. Uh, his cost, middle of the road in terms of the other netminders, I noticed on, on FanDuel. Meanwhile, on DraftKings, He's the most expensive option. Um, so I, I tried to get him in, but I had to, unfortunately, go elsewhere. So sorry to give that away, Paul, but it was a super interesting disparity between yeah. the two, just looking at what you have in for your lineup here. So I'll dive into mine then, and I'm going to start it off. Of course, I'm going to use a Penguin. I'm going to use Evgeny Malkin, 7,200. Not quite as expensive as some of the other centers on the slate here. He's got a ton of shots, and out of his six games, he's got four more shots in at least four of those contests, three goals, three assists to start the year. He's got just one game in which he didn't get at least a point. I think he'll get one tonight in Calgary. It's obviously a tough matchup on the road, um, but I expect Gino to continue to produce all season. Because I went up there, I'm going to go low for my other center here and all the way towards the bottom in terms of drafting pricing. I'm going to go with Marco Rossi. For the Minnesota Wild, 2500 pretty cheap for a guy that's filling a second-line center role. Um, the production obviously has not been there to start the year, pointless in his four appearances, but we are expecting him to see some power play opportunities as well, and so I think that's important um, in terms of building your lineup, and I like the matchup with Montreal here. Uh, I think a good opportunity to capitalize. 
I talked about all three of my wingers over on DraftKings earlier today, um, but I'll highlight them again here. I'm going with Alex Took as the most expensive of my three wingers at 6,700. He's got goals in four straight games, really rolling. Again, a good matchup for Buffalo. I'm going to risk the matchup. Colorado facing the Rangers, that's a tough spot. But Nachushkin, as I talked about earlier, has been phenomenal. He's 6,600. And then I'm going to go, again, towards the bottom of the DraftKings pricing. Phil Kessel, 2,600, playing in that Ironman-making game tonight. He'll he'll secure the record on his own. It's a great matchup against San Jose. And at 2,600, he just gives you so much roster flexibility, it's hard to pass him up. On my blue line, I'm going to go Rasmus Dahlin, 7K. Paul, you highlighted this guy earlier today. He really has, again, much like several of the Sabres, outkicking his coverage right now, if you will, and performing quite uh, quite expertly. I'm also going to go with Maurice Sider for Detroit. Again, targeting some matchups here. I don't have a lot of stacks tonight, just individual players in good matchups. Detroit facing New Jersey, I think that's a good spot for them. 6K is the price tag for Sider. My utility spot is going to be Jack Roslavic of, of uh, Columbus. Again, they're playing Arizona, which I think is a good chance for some of these Blue Jackets to get some, um, some points here. And then I'll round it out. I mentioned I wanted to use Bobrovsky, just too expensive on DraftKings. So I went with Daniel Tarasov, kind of going win hunting here against the Arizona Coyotes playing at home. AJ, for my part, I looked uh, at several apparent mismatches on the board, and we, we highlighted a few Sabres together. I know that that's going to be a focus of my team. And I was double-checking the prices on Bobrovsky, just as you led off of the, the comment there. I'll remind our listeners that there's some disparities between Draft Kings and FanDuel on the price list, and I think I took advantage of one with Bobrovsky coming in $700 cheaper here with $7,800 being the price tag as opposed to it looks like $8,500, if I'm not mistaken, on the DraftKings side, AJ. So I took advantage of that to, uh, with the win probability against uh, Chicago Club, even though the game's in Chicago. I think Florida's going to roll them. Uh, I'll go to the top of the board and look at the center position here now. My my lineup, as I mentioned, touching on the Buffalo Sabres, Tage Thompson centering that first line coming in at $5,700. That's a bargain, particularly when you consider he's facing Seattle, and I think he's going to build on what, what is an ordinary start offensively, but that line has been uh, controlling play in the, in the games that I've watched. So expect him to break out offensively there. I mentioned Boone Jenner being partnered up with Gaudreau and Patrick Liney on the first line. That's a great landing spot and a great DFS value for a guy who's a veteran in this league as well. He priced in at $5,200 with that plum assignment, first line minutes against Arizona. So I expect both centers to capitalize against weak opposition. And I build on that theme when I go to the wings, AJ. I talked about uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets already, and Johnny Gaudreau factors in. In fact, I've got uh, the whole line in uh, my my lineup tonight with Gaudreau at $7,600 and Patrick Laine returning to action tonight. Yeah, I didn't have that information this morning. You shared it with us and... Uh, Took a shot at me at the same time. That was well done. <laughs> so one goal in his one game played and a good situation for for all three of them with a favorable matchup against an Arizona club that is not playing Toronto. So, of course, they're going to get bombed tonight. And then on defense, I we didn't mention this guy when we were looking at Minnesota, but Kalen Addison has been in something of a surprise on the blue line here. And he's priced in at $4,700 and he's playing power play minutes 
for Minnesota on their top unit. And that's good enough for me against Montreal. This guy has six points in five games played, along with being a key part of, of uh, the potent-looking Minnesota power play. And to round out my defense, I've got Brandon Montour, who steps up in class because of the injury to Aaron Ekblad, AJ. He's one of two defensemen that's going to get more of a run offensively, and I'm counting on him building on the fact that he's got three points in four games today, priced in at only $4,300 against Chicago, a good spot for a Florida team that should win this one going away. Then I round out my offense with a couple more pieces on uh, uh, that uh, should do well tonight. Alex Tuck, you mentioned him. I've got him in my lineup. I think you said he was $6,700 on DraftKings. He's 66 for uh, the appearance against Seattle. He's got six goals and one helper in five games played. And for me, uh, a great leader on this Buffalo team and a key part of their first line in power play. And rounding out the squad, Nico Heischer. I went up off the board and away from some of the other teams that I've covered in my lineup he's going to round up my squad for $5,900 yet another first line center who's playing first line minutes he has six points in five games to date you mentioned Detroit's been a very tough out but I think New Jersey is is one of the teams that's like Detroit primed to move up in the standings it's going to be a very interesting match interesting matchup and I like the opportunity for Heischer to pad his totals in this one now AJ before we uh, sign off we both have a lot of time for Phil Kessel and I wanted to spend a minute or two talking about the fact that we both had a long look at him because he's played for our two favorite clubs and he's on the verge of a, a career milestone. Not a guy who will ever be a poster boy for uh, phys- being a top physical specimen, but great hands and a great head for the game. Apparently he's on the verge of 400 goals. He had one called back last night. That would have been his 400 against Toronto, but he's got a chance to get it right tonight. And, uh, a tip of the hat from this this corner to Phil Kessel on an outstanding career and a, and a career achievement that merits a, a salute as well this evening. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I will I will admit, uh, in in days gone by, Phil Kessel not one of my favorites when you consider he was the the great defector from Wisconsin hockey from here in Madison, opted to go to the University of Minnesota instead of the University of Wisconsin. So for uh, a long time, Phil the Thrill, not one of my favorites because of that, but then comes into Pittsburgh, wins us some cups, and really, you know, in most of uh, his stops have become almost a folk hero in in some ways. Uh, I know Toronto media seem to hate him, but I'm I'm assuming the fan base may not have taken quite, uh, you know, such a, a hard stance on Kessel uh, during his time there, but uh, really a great player. And yeah, like you said, great nod um, to him and, and hoping here's to hoping he gets 400 tonight and, you know, a couple more games, we'll get to that thousand thousandth consecutive game. It'd be a pretty big milestone to get there. You know, I wonder is, is all of this enough to get this guy hall of fame credentials? Uh, that's going to be an interesting call, but the resume is getting padded with, with these accomplishments and these numbers. So the longer he stays in and adds to them, the case only gets stronger. So, uh, Congrats to Phil Kessel from, from both of us in this corner. And that's a fine way to end this week's episode, AJ. We're going to thank our listeners for tuning in again, and we're going to regu- regularly come at you in, on Tuesdays going forward. So, so I apologize for the irregularities of the last couple of weeks, but we're going to try and stay consistent to Tuesday as best we can going forward. As always, we remind you to we're here to assist you in all things relating to your enjoyment of fantasy hockey. So we encourage you to send your comments or questions on Twitter when you can get a chance to follow me at 
Statsman22, and you can follow AJ, a great follow, not just about hockey, but life in general, at AJ Scholes24. Thanks for being with us. So long, everybody. Mm-hmm.